Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? That's uh, playoff time. This is the time we all live for, right, Josh? Uh, so, congratulations to everybody out there that made the playoffs, and extra congrats if you got a first round buy, right? Yeah, definitely. I got a first round buy. But thanks for really stealing my segue. I was going to play this. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> Another game. Uh, playoffs. Oh, God, I love that. That never gets old. He just – he's cemented himself in, in history forever. People will be playing that 100 years from now. Uh, yes, it's fantasy playoff time. Um, it's also the time of year where I complain about the weather here. Nick tells me that he put a jacket on because it was 72 degrees when he walked home from work last night, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's colder than balls, as they say here. Um it's, but on the bright side, like I told Nick before we started, the one solace we take from cold days like this is it's it's too cold to snow. So yeah, that's that's the that's the area of the country I live in. That's the it's too cold to snow. If you thought that was possible, it, it is. Um, I lost my train of thought. Fantasy playoffs are here for sure. We have a monster show playing for you today. As we're going to touch, sit, and start every single game, which will be awesome. I have three pages of notes just for that segment alone. Uh, Mr. Chuck Podice is going to be stopping by at the end. We're going to go through all the games again and give you some ATS picks. And then we'll do a lot of things that we normally do with the thoughts on last week, waiver fodder, dynasty dilemma, as they pit two rookie safeties against each other, Carl Joseph and Keanu Neal. Uh, we'll also do some dynasty trade analysis. And please uh, forgive me if my voice doesn't have its uh, normal awesome power. I recently became the assistant coach on my son's hockey team and we have games on Tuesday night. So I will obviously keep the yelling to a minimum for now on. I'm, I'm not yelling at the kids. I'm yelling across the ice from the bench. So, but anyway, that's why I'm sound a little hoarse today. I, I do apologize. Um, yes. My, my mini, my mini sports talents, I, my fantasy football prowess and I am now a hockey coach, which is ironic considering I've never actually played the game, but I think I do. All right. Um, Nick, any weak thoughts? Any week 13 thoughts or notes? Well, we'll start in Chicago where fans of a certain age grew up screaming Jordan. Now they get to do that again as Jordan Howard is pretty much taking complete control of that. Two carries, 117 yards, and three scores, while uh, Kadeem Carey and Jeremy Langford combined for only three carries and 10 yards. Really wish I had gotten the copies of him while he was still available. Uh, Dwayne Allen scored three times for the Colts. I, I really looked smart for trading for him a couple weeks ago, or at least I would have if I had, you know, started him. 
Uh, Indianapolis's win, though, on Monday put them in a three-way tie for first place with Houston and Tennessee. Everybody there is six and six. That'll be really interesting to see how that division shakes out over the next month. Uh, the Giants had won six straight games, but that ended in Pittsburgh as the Steelers won 24 to 14. And Pittsburgh's tight end Ladarius Green finally showed why the Steelers signed him away from San Diego. Six catches, 110 yards, and a score. Uh, and then finally, Arizona, behind David Johnson's 175 yards and two scores, got a win over Washington. Uh, that really put the skins behind Tampa Bay in the wild card chase and could really hinder their playoff uh, chances. Uh, what do you got, Josh? Uh, well, I do want to enlighten everybody on, on what a bad situation it was for you as we watched you lose Gronk last week. You couldn't make any IR moves until he was officially put on, so you ended up having to play Jason Witten on Thursday nights. And it's too bad fair catches don't count as a re- reception, right? Because uh, he, reco- he recovered the uh, onside, onside kick. But uh, first time since 2008, your luck, huh? Witten goes catchless. How about that? Well, I, I will say, though, that it all ended fine. I won by under two points in that league because Matt Forte did nothing in the second half on Monday night. So even though Witten put up a goose egg, I still came out on top. And that win clinched the first round by for me, so... Coincidentally, I really like Witten this week against the Giants to, to bounce back, if you will. So I'm sure you're, you're hoping for that yourself. But, uh, yeah, I, I cannot get over uh, how, uh, Tampa Bay. They just keep they just keep winning. I just it's, and they're doing it with with who? I mean, who's who's going to fill in at wide receiver this week? They had more injuries. I just yeah, they're really good. Uh, obviously very happy with the uh with the Raiders comeback win and I where do you where do you, speaking of Raiders comeback when where where do you think David Carr is going in startups next year, Nick? Is he is he uh a, a, a end of the second, maybe third, fourth round type of player, don't you think? Oh, definitely, especially with the talent around him. I'm assuming that Michael Crabtree will be brought back. I don't know his contract situation. But, yeah, it's a very young and up-and-coming offense. But yeah, the sky is really the limit there for uh, for Carr in, in Oakland or wherever the Raiders are playing next year. Um, I'm pretty sure Carr, Crabtree, uh, King Crab, is signed through next season. Uh, so, well, yeah, that'll, that'll be nice. And he's still, I think he's still only 27, 28. So he's, he's got some years ahead of him, and I would imagine they will – keep him in the fold as he's been very good for uh, not only Carr, but uh, Amari Cooper as well. Uh, any, any waiver fodder thoughts there, Nick? Well, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty slim pickings this week. Uh, Justin Forsett got signed by the Broncos. He's probably a guy to at least keep an eye on, if not put a claim on. Uh, Albert Wilson uh, in Kansas City had a pretty good game. Uh, RG3 might be starting this week. But, you know, in general, it's playoff time, so if you're still alive, you, you got to just go after your handcuffs. Uh, you know, if, if you're not alive, uh, maybe, you know, find some rookies that you like going into the season that have kind of – struggle to make a big impact, it's a good time to stash those guys for next year. Somebody like, uh, for example, Baltimore's receiver Chris Moore, uh, fourth-round pick. He, he sees like a ball or two most weeks, but hasn't been fantasy relevant, so he got dropped in a lot of leagues. Somebody like that is maybe a guy to make uh, that would make a good stash this time of year, get a leg up on the off season. Yeah, very good point there. Um, Joseph wrote in the waiver wire this week about uh, Frank Martino, uh, who might be uh, in for some more for some more looks there, more targets there, I should say, in the Tampa Bay offense. Um, 
Forsett's an interesting case. I, I think he works well with that type of offense, and obviously he's got a history with Kubiak too, so that he he might be an interesting uh, flex type of player uh, down the stretch. Um, probably bad news for Devontae Booker owners, at least for the end of this year. Um, let's get to our dynasty dilemma. Excuse me. Uh, in the, uh, like I said, we're doing Carl Joseph versus Keanu Neal. Uh, I have the option to go to choose, so I will go first as I picked um, Carl Joseph. Excuse me. So, uh, like most dilemmas, we might be compelled to say you can't go wrong with either one of these players, or it is very close. That is exactly what makes a great dilemma. I do like both of these players, but I have a huge fear that Neal will eventually end up as a linebacker, thus thrusting himself into a very hard-to-stand-out IDP boat. Neal Neal also concerns me because of the absolutely violent way that he plays the game. I know Joseph has been called for some personal fouls and some hits to the head, but Neal seems to play that way on every single play. And while that's, that's fun to watch, I, I just don't know how it bodes well for his future. Even our IDP head here, Bill Latin, is very concerned about the longevity of Neil's career, and I and I echo those statements from Bill. I I once heard Deacon Jones say about Dick Butkus when you when he tried to hit you, he, he tried to put you in the cemetery, not the hospital. I believe that's the way the Neil plays. And while a fan that, like I said earlier, that's fun to watch, just takes a toll on his body. Uh, at this level, when everybody's bigger, faster, stronger, it's just going to hurt that much more and be harder to recover from. I that also he also goes from for the big hit rather than the sure tackle, which will I think repeatedly hurt his opportunity. Joseph, on the other hand, can lay out the, for the big hit, but he can also be potentially the most universal safety in this league. He can cover guys in the slot, he can cover tight ends, he can play in the box, he can play deep. Neil does not have that type of well-roundedness to his game. I, I really just think Joseph is a, be more consistent long-term, and we'll see these huge, big games from Neil, and then we'll see him you know, miss six to eight games here and there, too. So I have some very, very strong feelings of both of these guys. Obviously, I like them both, and, and I wish them both the best. I just have some major concerns about Neil, and I think – He's maybe ahead of where a lot of people thought he was, and that's encouraging, and that's going to really affect his his ADP versus Joseph uh, next year. So I, I think I'm going to stick with the value and probably the more consistent play for Joseph. I know he hasn't been consistent this year, but I think uh, as his as his career progresses there in Oakland, they're going to they're going to know where he stands, and they're going to he's going to find he's going to find himself a spot, and he's going to find himself consistent production, and it's going to be good news for. Uh, Raider fans, no matter what city they play. Of course, Nick. What do you got for us on uh, Keanu Neal? Well, uh, you're you're definitely right. 
we're splitting hairs here. You know, either of us would be happy to have either of these two guys, uh, young tackling machines on our rosters. But I do prefer Keanu Neal. Uh, first off, he's a little bit bigger, six foot two eleven. The Carl Joseph's only five foot ten. It's not a whole lot, but this is a game of inches. And when stretching out to deflect an inter- or deflect pass or intercept a pass, you know, every inch counts. Uh, Neal also has a lot better tackle numbers this year: seventy nine tackles to Joseph's sixty. And they haven't come in spurts. He's been remarkably consistent. Both players became starters in week three, and in that time, Carl Joseph has four games with four or fewer tackles and had zero tackles in week nine, while uh, Neal's worst game was his first game, and he still had four tackles in that one. Since then, he has between six and 11 tackles every single week. you got to love that high floor as for IDP guy. But to me, the biggest reason to like Neal is because of the poor unit that he plays on. Atlanta surrendered 331 points this year. The only teams to give up more points than that are New Orleans, San Francisco, and Cleveland. Defenses that give up a lot of points tend to be on the field a lot during opposing teams' long drives. That's bad for the team, but good for IDP purposes. Plus, uh, Joseph has to play on the same field as a guy named Khalil Mack, who has the ability to completely take over a game, leaving nothing but IDP scraps for his teammates. Uh, uh, Neil doesn't line up with anybody who's close to being as dominant as Mack. So while both of these are fine young IDP players, I do have to give a slight edge to Keanu Neal. Uh, you do make a good point, though, about the physicality and uh, aggressive nature of Neal's play. That is a little bit of a concern, but I, I still like him a little bit better. Okay, good points there. Um, I, I think that Tennessee defense is going – excuse me, the Atlanta defense is going to get better. They have some good young players with uh, Vic Beasley and Devondre Campbell. It's taking them some time, and I'm not saying either one of them is going to be Khalil Mack, but – I think that defensive unit will certainly grow around him. And they also got uh, Deion Jones, who uh, is an incredibly quick uh, playmaker and, and just getting better every single week, too. So that, that Atlanta defense, hopefully, for their for those Falcons fans' sake, is going to be good in years to come, assuming assuming they can keep it together and keep Dan Quinn there. Um, it's It's been a, a learning process for him as a head coach, but I think it's going to be – it's going to be a good defense, and I think that might ultimately hurt hurt Neal's value because he's not going to be that uh, that dominant player, especially with good linebacker play. I mean, look how much the Giants have had had struggling linebacker play, and look how the kind of numbers that uh, Landon Collins has produced this year. So, I always got to add Landon Collins to the conversation, don't I, Nick? Um, let's get to some sit or start. Um, like I said, we're going to do every game, so. Bear with us or fast forward to the game you want to listen to. <laughs> uh, or if you have any questions, you know, tweet us out. We'll probably be doing this for the, at least the next half hour. Um, I don't know, a bit of a stinker tomorrow night, Nick, Oakland at KC. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, I'm kidding. Pro- I can't remember a bigger Oakland-Kansas City game. So wh- what do you got for us? Who are you looking at in that game tomorrow night? Well, I want to start off this segment by first saying that by now you pretty much know your players and what they've done this year. So I've been I focused mostly on the matchups and not the player individual player statistics for this segment. But anyway, on to Oakland, Kansas City. Uh, both defenses are in the bottom six as far as rushing yards allowed per game. So you know both Kansas City's Ware and Oakland's uh, Latavius Murray are pretty strong plays. Uh, they're both also bottom twelve in pass yards allowed. So you know if Cooper and Crabtree are your regular starters. I'd go ahead and roll with them. Uh, Kansas City's pass de- uh, passing game is a little bit harder to trust, though, other than uh, Kelsey, of course, and then the, the newcomer Hill, who's had a pretty good rookie season. 
Okay, good good stuff there. That's interesting that Kansas City is pretty down on rushing yards because you think of that that front seven, you think uh, some pretty good players in there. Um, I, I, you mentioned Latavius, uh, and I know there's not going to be a lot of people doing this, but I really think him and Jalen Richard are neck and neck. Um, in this game and maybe at this point in the season, I know Latavius gets still short yardage touchdowns, but uh, I've, I've talked about him repeatedly, and it's not just because I'm a Raiders fan, but Richard just has that ability to where you get him the ball in space and he's going to take it to the house. Where Murray's going to have some consistent numbers. If you, if you're you know if you need to gamble and play Richard and you know maybe play both of them, I think I think it's, he's a player that could have a big game and could be a very big difference in you winning a contest. So I really like both of the guys. As far as I'm concerned, they they are pretty neck and neck. Um, Perry Riley had a bit of a, a resurgence, and I really kind of like him versus the uh, intermediate uh, passing game of Kansas City. I think he's had, he's going to have the uh, the opportunity to make a lot of plays. Um, Tariq Hill, I think he's a little bit of a yeah. Obviously, he's the guy that they used to create mismatches, um, and. I, I'd probably at the very least, as much as it pains me to say, Nick, I think you're probably going to see one really big play out of Tree Kill, and you know maybe it's like a, a long touchdown. Oakland's given up at least, that I can remember, three touchdowns of 90 yards or more. I'm not saying that's going to happen, and I really don't want it to happen. But you know they're vulnerable on some of those big plays. So uh, I, I, and if they're going to have a guy make a big play, obviously it's been him the last couple of weeks. It's probably going to be this guy Hill. So. Um. Yeah, that's all I got on that game. Uh, what do you think about Pittsburgh at Buffalo? Well, uh, Buffalo is better versus the pass than the run, so it's a great week to have Le'Veon Bell. And, of course, every week's a good week to have Antonio Brown. Uh, Pittsburgh defense is actually opposite. They're better versus the run than the pass. But, uh, you know, Shady McCoy is a weekly must-start. Uh, yeah, I guess if you need Sammy Watkins, I would use him, but it seems like Tyrod Taylor is spread around 200 yards every week with 50 or more of those yards going to McCoy in the passing game. So uh, it's pretty low ceiling for all the uh, all the Buffalo pass catchers, don't you think? Um, yeah, we haven't seen that big wild breakout game from Sammy Watkins yet, and I think this defense is vulnerable. I, too, like uh, Tyrod Taylor, or as some people like to call him, Ty God. Uh, I think he's. I think he's kind of a sneaky play this week. I think the fact that he is able to, you know, kind of get, get on the edge and kind of stress the defense. I think that, that could be huge. And there's there's spots of this Pittsburgh defense that, that's vulnerable. I know I say that all the time, but they they can be beat. They can be. Uh, they can be had. I wonder. I know it was a long time ago, but I wonder how much Buffalo is going to go back and look at the Philadelphia game. Uh, they're, they're kind of a similar team. I know they don't have the powerhouse like they have. Uh, uh, Philly didn't have the powerhouse like McCoy, but they at least do try to run the ball. Um, really like Ladarius Green, um, and everybody wants to play him, but I don't know if we can see that two weeks in a row. And obviously, Nick has been a has been an angry Ladarius Green owner forever, and now he's you know he had one big game. I don't know if you could expect to see that. Again, uh, Buffalo is pretty good against the pass. Um, they got, they got, they got, they were showing uh, some vulnerability last week, but uh, they ran into a hot team. So um, I also look for the Steelers to use uh, Sean Davis to use his speed to kind of control uh, 
Watkins and uh, Marquise Goodwin over the top. So look, look for maybe a big IDP game out of uh, uh, Sean Davis, the Pittsburgh defensive back. They use him a lot uh, in the nickel and potentially like a, a, a high safety. So he's going to be coming over the top to make sure that Watkins and Goodwin don't get those big plays. So uh, look for that. Uh, what do you think about uh, – I, I always say you can't have a uh, – interdivisional game as a who cares game Nick but uh, this is pretty close to a who cares game but thankfully for this game I think there's like three other games that could be in contention but what do you think about Cincinnati at Cleveland well um, this is a lot more of an intriguing game to me than one of the other games we'll get to later but that aside I do like Brandon LaFell he's getting a lot of targets with AJ Green out and I love Jeremy Hill to bounce back from a low yardage game last week where he only had 33 yards against a much tougher defense Uh, I really have no clue about Cleveland's offense if you know with RG3 possibly starting I, I personally can't trust any of them in the playoffs you know even with Cincinnati's middle of the road defense even though uh although the the defense did play well against uh, Philadelphia last week, so maybe they're a little bit hotter than their season statistics imply, but still, I just it's too unpredictable a situation there in Cleveland for me to, to trust any of them if I'm fighting for a championship. Uh, good point. Um, start your Bengals' offensive players. I know not all of them will go off, uh, but you hate to be the guy that has that huge point guy in your pants, so get him out there. Tyler Boyd, Brandon LaFell, Tyler Eifert, uh, hell, Rex Burkhead, if you need a flex, why not? Throw him in there. He could he could have a couple short yards touchdowns. Uh, Kirksey, I think he's a must start. He's been an absolute animal since Jamie Collins came over. Um, and I kind of also like the shifty Corey Coleman uh, versus it, over a guy like Terrell Pryor this week because I think they could use since he will use the the big frame of Georgia Loco to kind of to match up and and help double team Pryor and make him not be a factor in this game. So may, maybe Corey Coleman has a big game in this one. Um, see how cold it is in Cleveland though. It's supposed to be really cold tomorrow night for that game in Kansas City. So we'll see we'll see if that affects Coleman and those in those uh, Texas hands of his. But uh, uh, I'm calling for Coleman to have a good game in this one over Terrell Pryor. I know. How dare I? But I, I think it could happen. What do you got? Chicago at Detroit, Nick. Well, uh, uh, of course you're starting Jordan Howard, but I'm really not trusting a Matt Barkley-led passing attack in the playoffs just yet. So, you know, even Cam Meredith, I think if I was desperate, I would play him, but I'm not rushing to start him by any means. Uh, Theo Reddick's still a good PPR guy, but he was actually outcarried 9-4 to by Zach Zenner last week. The Chicago's average versus the run and sixth versus the pass. So don't look for Stafford to repeat his 340-yard day that he had last week against the Saints week defense. But I do still feel okay about Golden Tate and Anquan Bolden as flex plays. And, uh, you know, as hit and miss as tight ends can be around the league, I think Eric Ebron's still a pretty decent play here too. Okay. I'm not convinced that Jordan Howard is a must. I know how dare you sit a guy after a three-touchdown game, and if you have him or you're in a situation where I own him, I have to play him. There's just no way around it. I just don't know. I, I don't. You're not. I mean, I don't think he's going to produce that. I think Detroit's going to key on him, and so maybe that is good news for Matt Barkley. Um, but I, I, and I know nobody's going to sit Jordan Howard. But if you have, a, you're on the fence and you have a better option. I. 
I just don't expect him to repeat what he did last week. Um, you know, maybe maybe a touchdown and and fifty yards, and that's that's an eleven points. But don't don't think you're going to have have this massive game again. Um, I like Jones Cordery, the safety for Chicago. I think he should be solid, especially with as much as they like to spread that ball around. He's going to be the man helping in the middle. Uh, e Brown was four for forty two last time. I think he can improve on those numbers. Uh, that was also the game he got injured in. So look for. Look for maybe a hopefully a bigger game from Ebron. Um, can you believe we're at this point? I know the injuries has happened, but uh, Ziggy Anza doesn't have a sack yet on the season, Nick. Um, I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get at least his first one, probably more in this game. I think. I think they're going to try to get him going, and that that's not a good thing as this Detroit team is catching steam. If you're going to get one of your best defensive players going too, that's not a good sign for everybody else. So. Look for Anza to, to make a difference, hopefully, in, in sack-heavy leagues. If you, if you got him, I would really suggest get him out there. Um, Denver at Tennessee, Nick. Uh, first of all, huge game for Tennessee. Is they're 6-6, they're six and six, as is Houston and Indy, Indianapolis. And to beat a potential playoff team, obviously the team that won the Super Bowl last year, huge game for them. Uh, what do you think? Well, the Titans are only allowing 92 uh, yards per game rushing, so I'm not really high on Devontae Booker, who was only 18 carries for 35 yards against a pretty weak Jacksonville run defense last week. Uh, also, keep an eye on Justin Forsett's snap count there in Denver. Uh, Denver's rush defense is fifth worst in the league, but you won't be uh, benching DeMarco Murray no matter what. He's a great start no matter who they play. Uh, Tennessee's pass defense, not as good, 270 yards per game, uh, whereas Denver's pass defense is number one in the NFL. I'm really glad that uh, in a league where I have Marcus Mariota as my main starter, that I have a first-round buy and don't have to choose between him and uh, Cam Newton this week. Uh, what, what do you think you would do there if you had to if you had to make that choice, uh, Marcus Mariota versus that stout stout uh, Denver pass defense or uh, Cam Newton, who's playing out of San Diego? Oh, I am also extremely fortunate that where I have Mariota, I have a first-round buy. Uh, <laughs> Same team, same team. I'm also rolling like three Chiefs on that team, so I'm glad that I don't have to play those guys this week against uh, Oakland. But uh, yeah, that, that's a tough decision. I don't, I don't know if Mariota's a slam dunk. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I, if I had to make a decision, it would be between, uh, ironically, the other quarterback in that game, Philip Rivers or Mariota. It, it's, it's a tough call. It, it's really a coin flip. Um, I think I would probably still risk Mariota out there, maybe because hopefully if they have to come back in this game, he gets some big passing yards. I, I know there's a potential of a couple interceptions, but uh, Denver is still using a heavy rotation at safety there, so maybe they can find some vulnerability there. Um, conversely, I don't like any of the Tennessee wide receivers. Uh, hopefully they can – Tennessee could take a cue from the Raiders and set a precedent and try to run the ball down their throats with DeMarco and Derrick Henry. I really like both of those guys. Um, Delaney Walker, definitely. Definitely, I think they don't have an, a, a solid answer for him on every play. Um, I think there's cer- certainly a good uh, good potential. So I would say Mariota over Cam, but I think I would probably put Rivers over Mariota just because of the the youth in that secondary for Carolina. Um, Todd Davis, I think, is a great play for uh, for the Broncos as he's 
kind of taking over the man in the middle role with Brandon Marshall only getting only getting a uh, one one tackle last week. Davis stepped up a little bit. And I think he could be another emerging player on that uh, Denver defense. Any thoughts on uh, what do you think about uh, who's going to be the hot Denver receiver in this game? I mean, or did I miss what you said? Um, it's tough. It's so tough to call week to week. Um, I think if I had either Denver receiver, I'd probably be starting him. But I, I mean, Demarius Thomas is, in my opinion, the more talented of the two, so I would go with him. But Emmanuel Sanders is definitely no slouch either. They're both both start worthy. Okay. Um, Houston at Indianapolis, another big game. I mentioned earlier that both these teams are six and six, as well as Tennessee. What do you think about that one there? Well, the Colts are bottom five uh, versus the pass, so maybe it's going to be a good week for Hopkins. Uh, a really down year for him, but it should be a pretty low-scoring game overall. I would think that tends to be Houston's uh, Houston's mo. Uh, Dante Moncrief has scored again last week, so that makes five games in a row now that he has a touchdown. So he's a decent play, and you know, especially T.Y. Hilton, of course, has been a really, really good player this year. So they're both good starts. Uh, Dwayne Allen had the three touchdowns last week, but he's only got five scores on the season. Plus. He has three games with one or zero receptions, including uh, the game versus Houston earlier this year. So I would actually prefer C.J. Fedora with side to choose between the two tight ends in this game. So yeah, I'm not I'm not super high on all uh, on anybody in this game. Uh, you know, Lamar Miller does get enough touches if he's healthy uh, to be worth a start probably as well. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not not really excited about anybody. But there are some decent starts. Uh, Frank Gore, what do you think about Frank Gore? I, I would hesitate just because that Houston run defense scares me a little bit. But, you know, if you have him and he's one of your regular starters, you're probably not going to sit him for anybody. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, uh, again, same team with the bye. I have Frank Gore, so I don't have to make that decision. But I would definitely probably try to find a, find another option. I don't think that's a good, a good play. Um, uh, coincidentally, I think Will Fuller could be an interesting play. I think – this Saints defense uh, is vulnerable. Uh, excuse me, Colts defense is vulnerable. They Clayton Gathers didn't play last week. I'm not sure where he's at this week, but they're either playing a safety at 80 percent or or a backup. So maybe Will Fuller has another big play downfield. Uh, no, Dequell Jackson got the four uh, four game suspension for PEDs. So up steps Antonio Morrison for uh, the Colts defense. Uh, potentially into a starting role. So he might be an interesting play. Um, Kareem Jackson, ultra-safe cornerback play. Got a lot of tackles there. Really good secondary, especially on the edges there for Houston. So I really like Kareem Jackson this week. Um, uh, Yeah, I think that's all we got on that game. Uh, What do you think about Arizona at Miami? Well, you're never sitting Larry Fitzgerald or David Johnson. Uh, Jarvis Landry uh, for Miami is a slot guy, so I'm not really worried about the Patrick Peterson effect there, so I'd go ahead and roll all those guys out. Uh, Arizona is number three versus the pass and 11th versus the run, so Jai is not too bad of a starter. Uh, and Gresham at tight end is probably the only other pass catcher in this game I'd feel comfortable with, though. And, uh, yeah, not trusting Ryan Tannehill or Carson Palmer personally in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, interesting note I saw from this game, Arizona 31st in the league of time of possession. Um, 
Yeah, and that was another thing, like you said, with DJ and Fitz. Uh, you know, you, you go to like you go look at all these games, and it's just like, do we really need to mention those guys? Are you who's sitting them? Uh, there's obviously a few obvious plays in every game. Um, Carson Palmer, kind of, kind of on the fence there. I would, I'd probably say he's the middle of the role starter this week. You know, maybe, maybe he has some has some big plays down the stretch. But uh, yeah, you got to be desperate to play him. Um, I like your point on Landry and potentially not matching up with Patrick Peterson. Obviously, as a Landry owner, I want that. But what do you think about Landry versus um, Devontae Parker in this game? Uh, I I think they might mix and match, and you see Peterson on both of these guys. What do you think? Do you think one of these guys can have a big game? Well, does Peterson ever move into the slot? I thought he it, it, I, I thought he was – I could be wrong, definitely, but I thought he was uh, strictly an outside corner. So uh, if he does move into the slot, then, yeah, I would uh, I would like Devontae Parker. I don't know enough about the Arizona defense, I guess. But, you know, assuming that he's strictly an outside cornerback, I would way prefer uh, uh, Landry over Parker. He did – match up against Diggs exclusively when they played Minnesota. And I know Diggs does get a lot of snaps out of the slot. So hmm. it would just be interesting to see who Patrick Peterson matches up with because he's might maybe the best corner in the league right now. And considering how long he's been around, it's, it's pretty impressive. You know, we see these guys emerge for a couple, two or three years and then fade much like a, what's his name in there for the Jets, uh, Revis, but, uh, Peterson just keeps on ticking. It's pretty amazing. So we'll see who he's matched up with against. I wish I had more uh, more of a crystal ball in that situation, but I, I don't, unfortunately. Um, Cameron Wake, probably nice sack-heavy play there on the defensive side of the ball. He's really catching fire right now. And there's some there's some holes in that Arizona offense, especially if he can uh, stunt up the middle there. They got some they got to, they got some definite needs in the draft there at the guard position. So. Um, I actually like Marcus Golden over Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones leading the team in sacks with eight right now. Uh, Golden was kind of hot early in the year. He's cooled off a bit. But uh, I think Miami might shift their focus to Jones. So that could be good news for uh, Golden there on the weak side there for Arizona. So Golden, a bit of a gamble, but I think he could potentially have a big game in this one. Uh, Ooh, Nick, Washington at Philadelphia. What do you got? Well, the Washington defense is below average versus both the run and the pass, but the Philadelphia offense is really tricky to figure out. Uh, of course, the tight end Ertz and uh, Darren Sproles are, are pretty good. Uh, Jordan Matthews, if he plays, he's another must-start. But I would really avoid the rest of them unless I was desperate. I guess uh, if I had to pick amongst the rest of the receivers, probably DGB would be my choice, but I'm not, I'm not rushing out to start him for for sure. Uh, Philadelphia defense is average versus both the run and the pass, and the Skins offense has been getting a lot of yards this year, so I think Jamison Crowder and Garcon are both good starts. Plus, you know that uh, Deshaun Jackson is going to be motivated in what could be perhaps his last appearance against his old team. Yeah, good good point there. Uh, I think D-Jax is just testing the open market this season. Yeah, and there's been a lot of rumors swirling that he's heading back to the Eagles, so who knows if that's true. It would be tampering if we had any solid evidence. So, But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd be surprised if the Skins re-signed him. Uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, interesting choice for him to go back there. And I realize 
as I listened to the podcast back last week, I say the word interesting way too much, so I do apologize for that. Um, that wasn't interesting at all. Uh, I do not like Rob Kelly in this game. I would definitely say no. Kirk Cousins, yes. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I don't like him in this game. Yeah, uh, Philly, for all their issues against the pass this year, does control those smaller, shifty wide receivers, uh, those slot guys. Um, they they really were able to shut down Antonio Brown. And, obviously, like I said earlier, that was a long time ago this year already. But uh, they were able to control him. So I don't look for, you know, maybe Crowder has, like, has a decent PPR floor, like five catches, but don't look for more much more yards out of him. You know, five catches for 40 yards maybe at the best. Uh, conversely, I think that could help Pierre Garçon down, making some making some big move the sticks plays downfield. Um, I do like Sua Cravens. I think he can make some good plays against this short passing game of uh, of the Eagles, and we know he uh, excuse me went to struggle. Uh, I, I do not like Norman or Breland in this game. Um, obviously, we'll see who they match up with, but I, I just don't like either. I conversely, I like both Philadelphia safeties, which. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins and McLeod. Uh, I think they could both have a really good game, as well as Hicks is really showing well against the run. Uh, and uh, Brandon Graham is really, really setting a nice hard edge there for Philadelphia. Um, you know, they got blown out last week against Cincinnati, but Nick said earlier, Jeremy Hill had like 28 yards rushing. It wasn't on the ground. They had a lot of third and long conversions to the passing game, and they were they were able to. Seattle, excuse me, since he was able to feast on them on third down, which was the big difference in the game. But this run defense is still really, really good. So that's why I don't like Rob Kelly. Uh, San Diego at Carolina, otherwise known as our first Who Cares game of the week. What do you got, Nick? <laughs> well, San Diego is actually number three versus the run and sixth worst versus the pass. Uh, last week they held Doug Martin to 17 carries for 45 yards, and Mike Evans to only three catches and 38 yards. But Cameron Brait uh, had six catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. So as with most weeks, Greg Olson is a must start against the against this defense. And I I think I'd be okay with Cam Newton as well. I think he'll have a better week this week than he's had most weeks this year. Uh, Carolina is a top 10 defense versus the run, but they're even worse against the pass than San Diego's defense. So I would, I'd still roll with Melvin Gordon though. And then of course, Philip Rivers, Tyrell Williams, and to a lesser extent, tight ends, Gates and Henry are all solid options this week. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know about Gordon this one. I obviously, if you're in the playoffs, you rode Gordon to this point, but I, I got some strong feelings that he just he kind of just has a bad game in this one. Uh, I think you gotta like with the Cincinnati versus Cleveland, considering all the youth for Carolina, you gotta roll out Dontrell Edmond, Tyrell Williams, and uh, Travis Benjamin. Benjamin got got back in the fray last week and dropped a big long touchdown pass, but I think he's a player that uh, he just has that potential every week to have one of those big, long, just nasty plays. Um, I know Greg Olson's a must-start, but he has been but the last four weeks. He doesn't have more than 45 yards receiving. I think his best week was like five catches for 39 yards. That's over the last four games. He has just been really, really bad, and that that's, that's not helped me out at all. But uh, I do like uh, Daryl Worley, who's making a lot of tackles there, and uh, Kurt Coleman there for the Panthers. 
Jelani Adai on the other side finally catching on now that he's fully healthy. Look for him to make a lot of plays there for uh, Carol, or excuse me, uh, San Diego on the opposite side of the ball there. Um, Minnesota at Jacksonville, round two of who cares. <laughs> well, uh, both defenses are actually in the top four against the pass. Uh, Minnesota because they're very talented, and Jacksonville because teams can throw 10 passes a game and still win. Uh, you know, probably Stephon Diggs is the only player on either side I would be really excited about starting, and excited is really overstating it. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's probably a pretty decent option as well, but uh, I'm trying to avoid this whole Jacksonville offense against a really good Minnesota defense. Uh, you know, I know Allen Robinson's a good player, uh, and, you know, Marquise Lee's had his moments this year, but Blake Bortles' struggles combined against, like I said, a very talented Minnesota Viking defense, I, I'm just going to try to avoid them at all costs this week. Okay. Um, uh, Over-under on Bortles' interceptions in this game, Nick? Three? What do you think? You took the word out of my mouth, or the number out of my mouth. Yes, three is what I was going to (laughs) say. So if I said three and a half? I'd go under. I don't think he's like Ryan Lee. 20 to one odds on the over? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. The the ability that this uh, secondary has, uh, minus Harrison Smith, who could potentially be done for the year, but... Uh, we've seen Rhodes make a few huge plays. I, I, I don't know. I got some strong feelings about this. Um, yeah, don't start Borders in this game. Moral of the story. Uh, I think CPAT is kind of a sneaky play there for uh, Minnesota. I think he could potentially rattle off a big play. Uh, Adam Thielen's a nice, crafty play. He's been doing good things. I know he caught a lot of heat for the fumble on Thursday night, but he's been doing really good things with this offense. Um, I do not like Stephon Diggs. I think he's going to get uh, get a mouthful of Jalen Ramsey in this game, so maybe he's not the best play. Um, I, Crazy as it may sound, I would almost consider starting Marquise Lee over Allen Robinson in this game because we know Robinson has struggled, but he's still going to get the respect of the top cornerback on each team. So maybe that's good news for Marquise Lee owners. Start Marquise Lee in the playoffs, Nick. Am I insane? Wow. What a year it's been there in Jacksonville. Um, Cyprian just keeps the plug in there. He's a great play. With Harrison Smith out, Andrew Sandejo I think is a great play. He's still going to play his position and not Harrison Smith, but he's just willed himself and had a a hell of a year there for Minnesota, and that was a big difference when he was out. Um, obviously, the Minnesota depleted offensive line should be good news for Yannick Ngakwe and Malik Jackson there along that uh, defensive front there for the Jags. So, like both of those guys. Um, so, on to the next game, Nick. It's like the NFL just kind of looked at all the Week 13 games and it's like, you know, what teams really sucked? I mean, what? who were the worst two teams last week? Let's let them play each other this week so somebody can get a win. And that's why we have the Jets visiting – excuse me, I'm going to throw up. Uh, the Jets visiting San Francisco 49ers, Nick. What, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, did you know that Brandon Marshall only has about 60 yards more than uh, Quincy Nunwa on the season? Uh, that's a crazy stat to me. But, you know, I think in this game I'd play Matt Forte. Maybe if I was really desperate I'd go with the two New York Jets receivers. But really Forte is the only option on the Jets. Uh, uh, the number four versus, uh, Jets are the number four defense versus the run. So I'm not giving uh, – I'm not going with Carlos Hyde if I can help it. Uh, and really, I mean, because this has got to be like the who cares game of the year, right? I mean, these two teams are <laughs> You thought Chicago and San Francisco was bad. Well, <laughs> get a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt Forte, he's really the only player we need to talk about, right? Maybe in UI has a good game, but who the hell is throwing in the football? I think it's going to be praised. Petty, I mean, Forte is the only safe play. I mean, not even not even somebody in the San Francisco secondary, maybe. I just, I just, I mean, Nick Valor, maybe. But uh, uh, interesting note from this game, Nick. Considering it's the Chip Kelly high tempo as many plays as possible offense, did you know that San Francisco is number one in the league for time of possession? How could a team that bad have <laughs> hold the ball that much? You know, they sh- they should be throwing. That just really says something about how bad things are going there for San Francisco. But uh, I think the real question that will come out of this game, Nick, if the 49ers lose this game, Kelly, their their coach, Monday afternoon, I mean, is, is he gonna, will he last after that game? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say yes, just because I'm kind of surprised that he's still their coach right now, just as bad as this season has gone. I mean, nothing has gone right for the 49ers all year long. One win, I believe they have. So, yeah, I am I, I think there's no chance he's their coach next season. And as a Ducks fan, I wish they would just go ahead and fire him right now so the Ducks could hire him, because I don't think Oregon's going to wait for uh, <laughs> for the end of the, the NFL season to hire a new coach. I actually think they already may have hired a coach today. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I heard the U.S. Uh, South Florida coach is, uh, if not the front runner, then maybe he's got the job. But, but yeah, yeah, anyway, he, surprise, he, they did surprise Chip Kelly's still there. <laughs> okay, uh, next game. We talked too long about that one. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay. Finally, some finally a good game. What do you got? Well, Seattle is the number one scoring defense in the NFL, so I think this is a low ceiling week for the Packers in general. Uh, but Devontae Adams is tough to sit right now, even with only one reception last week. I feel like either him or Jordy Nelson is going to have a good week, but I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Uh, Randall Cobb could see extra work if uh, Rodgers tries to avoid Richard Sherman on the outside. Uh, Green Bay's defense is not as good, so I do really like uh, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson, weather permitting, of course. I'm not sure. I did not look at the forecast for Green Bay. Uh, and uh, Thomas Rawls is a good play, I think, no matter the conditions, as long as he's healthy. Okay, yeah. Rawls is definitely a big play. How about the uh, Tyler Lockett 75-yard touchdown run? I think we could see excuse me, another big play from Lockett this week. I don't like James Starks. Um, oh, and one thing I wanted to backing up a few games. We talked about how Nick mentioned how good the San Diego defense was against the run, uh, but Please bear in mind, a lot of that was with uh, Brandon Meebane in the lineup, and he's out for the year. So that's, that's a different team up the middle without him. Um, Lockett, yes. Starks, no. Got to play Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in this game. I think 
maybe it's versus both of those guys. Obviously, if you have them, you're probably going to play them. I think, you know, as much as we've talked the last couple of weeks about Jordy Nelson being the consistent play, uh, I think he's going to get get the Richard Sherman treatment this week. So maybe Cobb has the better game. Maybe it's Ty Montgomery uh, stressing the new whoever the new safety is there minus Earl Thomas. What, what, what do you think about Jordy versus Cobb in this game, Nick? Um, I think I would pretty much universally, no matter the matchup, go with uh, Jordy Nelson over Randall Cobb. Um, I, I just don't trust Cobb personally, but 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 yeah, I probably wouldn't start both of them, like you said. Definitely right with Rawls, um, Morgan Burnett. Uh, you probably don't need to tell me, hear me say that you need to play him. He's pretty. He's a pretty safe player there. Um, Atlanta at L.A. What do you think? Well, the Rams are the number nine defense against the pass, but I would still never bench Julio Jones. But it might not be the best week for uh, Mohamed Sanu and t- uh, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, the running backs are pretty close to a 50-50 uh, timeshare, so your depth really determines on whether or not you're starting either of the, uh, the Falcons running backs there. Uh, Atlanta's dead last against the pass. But with rookie Jared Goff starting, what, his third game, I think, uh, none of which have really set the world on fire, I can't get excited about any of the Rams. Although I will say Kenny Britt's had a pretty good year so far. So, you know, as flex play wide receiver four, maybe I, I feel comfortable starting Kenny Britt. But other than that, I'd probably try to avoid the offense. Even even Todd Gurley, I mean, if you have him, you probably are forced into starting him just because of the volume that he sees. But the yards really haven't been there for Gurley in the running game. Yeah, Gurley not not having a particularly good season there. That's that's a hard call. I actually like Tevin Coleman over Devontae Freeman this week. We haven't seen that for a while now this season, but I think that could be a good play. Um, I know you said no to Gabriel and Hardy in this game. Muhammad Sanu is out. So if you had to choose between the two, Nick, Hardy or Gabriel, what do you think? Uh, I would have to go Gabriel simply because he's done more this season than has Hardy. Um, long-term, of course, if I had to choose which one I want on my roster, I'd probably go with uh, with Hardy because because of the youth factor. But this week, I, I would go with Gabriel. Okay, good point. Uh, this is only Gabriel's third season, so he's, he's still pretty young, too, and he knows the offense. That's why he's been able to have these good uh, good spurts there for Atlanta. Much to uh, Justin Hardy owner's chagrin, of course. Uh, uh, I would, if you're in your fantasy playoffs and you own Gurley, I think you're probably smart enough to bench him in this game. So that might, I know Atlanta's defense is vulnerable, but uh, it's that's an interesting gamble there. Uh, I think Kenny Britt, you got to roll him out there. Tavon Austin has been on the injury report, didn't play last week, so. He's probably no, even if he does play. Deion Jones and Vic Beasley uh, look look for Beasley to be in Goff's face all day, so I like both of those plays. Um, also like T.J. McDonald quite a bit there for uh, for the Rams, as he probably looks to be the uh, the uh, helper buddy for whoever is guarding Julio Jones. So uh, yeah, I I like what you said about Julio. I think they that will be the Rams' main focus in this game, and for some reason, Nick, I, I don't know why, but I, I would not be surprised if the Rams win this game. It just, it just seems like one of those games where they just step up and, uh, just freak everybody out and win a game. So uh, I just want to put that out there. Um, 
Not betting on it, but just putting it out there. Uh, Saints at Tampa Bay. Potential playoff hopes in this one. Nick, what do you think? Well, uh, at the risk of sounding like the guy at the bar who had too many shots, I love everyone. Uh, Seriously, though, most most New Orleans games on paper look like they're going to be shootouts. Their defense can't stop anybody, and Tampa Bay both has the weapons to keep up and a not elite defense that shouldn't be able to contain Drew Brees and company. So I'm starting pretty much everybody I got, the big starters anyway. Tim Hightower only had two carries last week, so that's probably a guy you're looking to sit. And, you know, it's – uh, tough to call after Brait and uh, Mike Evans, who's going to get the work in the passing game in Tampa Bay. But you know, all the main guys in this in this one, I'm definitely starting. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Crazy about the Saints running backs in this game. I think they we won't we won't see a big game from anybody there, whether it's Hightower versus Ingram. I just think they're both probably a fit. Uh, Noah Spence, we can. Coming, coming on good. Maybe he gets a sack or two. He's got five and a half on the season. Um, I think he's a, he's certainly playing better than I thought. I do not let Kobe Fleener in this game either. I think the Tampa will have an answer for him, whether it be uh, McDougal or David chipping him at the line. I think it's not not a not he's not a good play. Uh, how about Vernon Hargreaves, the cornerback rookie cornerback for Tampa Bay? I should say nearly sixty tackles at this point on the season already. Um, Obviously, you don't want your corners making that many tackles because that means he's giving up plays, but uh, he's at least getting his nose dirty and getting in there. So I think he's a pretty safe IDP play there for a corner this week. Um, Dallas at the Giants. Of course, the marquee matchup in the ASC East is a primetime game, Nick. Of course it is. Uh, what, do you, what do you got for us? Uh, well, Dallas defense is fourth worst against worst against the pass, but they are number two against the run. And yes, you know, playing with the leads every single week do skew those numbers, but when they're up every week, you have to expect the numbers to continue to that trend. So I think that's great news for Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard owners. Uh, bad news for Giants fans, probably. Uh, the Giants are uh, fifth against the run, but you know, if you have the cojones to sit Ezekiel Elliott, you're braver than I am for sure. Uh, Giants are eighth worst against the pass, so I think Dak Prescott, uh, Des Bryant, and Cole Beasley are all good options, and like you mentioned uh, a while earlier, hopefully Jason Witten can uh, bounce back from his zero catch performance. I, I think he'll at least have a decent game and be uh, middle of the line start worthy. What do you think about Eli in this game? Uh, wow, that is, that is a tough one. I think I would probably go with Eli just because the Giants have a, a bigger chance of playing from behind, so garbage points and all that, uh, I, I would probably lean towards Eli. But Dak's a decent start, too. Good point there. Uh, I heard Greg Cassell and Fran Duffy discussing all the throws that uh, Carson Palmer is making, especially last week. I think they said he made 34 fourth-quarter passes uh, in that game last week. Uh, moral of the story, Dak is only averaging 29 pass attempts per game. So that that's probably another reason to play uh, Eli over Dak. And I know he, Dak, does have that rushing touchdown potential, but uh, Eli's certainly going to have to throw a lot more. He's, you know, he could be a 400-yard game at the expense of a couple interceptions. I would, I would imagine. But uh, 
probably a probably a safer play there. Witten, I do like Witten a lot. Rashad Jennings, I know he had the receiving touchdown last week, but I I, I just don't know how you can trust any Giants RBs. Uh, I Byron Jones, he's going to be the helper versus Odell Beckham, I'm sure, and probably line up in the slot with Sterling Shepard. I think I think he's a good play there and deep uh, for them. Kerry uh, Wynn, who the hell is Kerry Wynn? He is the man replacing JPP along the defensive line for the Giants. I think he's a little bit of a sneaky play. He had to play last year and actually held his own. I started him a lot in an IDP league because I was desperate, and he he actually had some pretty decent weeks there for the for the Giants. So a bit of a sneaky play depending on your scoring system there. Uh, Damon Harrison and Jonathan Hankins. Yes, please. I want I want both Giants defensive tackles versus Ezekiel Elliott. Damon Harrison makes a ton of tackles. I think he might be the number one DT in, in at least the IDP leagues that I'm in and that type of scoring system. So he he's an easy play. Jonathan Hankins is also in the top ten. So he's not not as sexy play as uh, Harrison, but uh, he's probably a pretty safe play. So I like both of those DTs. Uh, last game, Baltimore at New England. What do you think? Well, I'm not really high on anybody in this game, uh, to be honest with you. I, these two teams are both tied for second in points allowed with only 207 points allowed on the season. So I would look for a low-scoring affair. Uh, you know, with Amendola out, that could mean that Chris Hogan gets some more work, but I would prefer uh, Julian Edelman or Mitchell, of course, over uh, Chris Hogan. Uh, Baltimore's number one versus the run, seventh versus the pass. Uh, New England, tenth versus the run, and they're pretty average middle of the road against the pass. But if I can, I'm, I'm avoiding everyone. I... I Looked this game to be a 13 to 10, 17 to 13 type of game. Likely, so I, I know it's tough to sit guys like Weir Blunt and the tight end Bennett, but if I have other options, uh, I would. Uh, obviously, it just depends on your team's depth, though. Yeah, good point on Blunt. I mean, a couple of really big matchups I would watch in this game: like Garrett Blunt versus uh, the defensive tackles there of Baltimore. Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Williams, they're doing great work up the middle, and we know how Blunt is that pace car, that pace setter, whatever you want to call him, the clock control guy. That That's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, and there I said that word again. Uh, Julian Edelman also versus Tavon, rookie Tavion Young out of Temple. That, that'll be a really good battle as those two Lockhorns. Uh, question, trivia question. Who is the team leader in sacks for New England? Wow, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, well, he only has four, and it's part-time defensive end Trey Flowers, who is fully, slowly getting a full-time job. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I think uh, Flowers is a definitely good play as he will be able to exploit some areas of this uh, Baltimore offensive line. So I really like Flowers. He's, I think he's kind of a must-start down the stretch because – New England is falling in love with him, and he's just getting the snaps. He's essentially he served uh, Javal Sherrod, who's who's been a, a very quality veteran for them. So I like I like him a lot. Um, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Before we we got through all those games, how about that? But before we bring Chuck in, uh, Cam Newton, Julio Jones, and Devontae Freeman for Ezekiel Elliott and T. Y. Helton. Ten team PPR, five keepers each. What do you think? Uh, 
it's close because, I mean, Julio Jones is uh, arguably the number one receiver in Dynasty right now, and Cam Newton's coming off. Uh, even though he had the down year this year, he's coming off an MVP season. Devontae Furman's no slouch himself, but personally, I think Ezekiel Elliott and T.Y. Hilton, especially since you can only keep five players. I think those two guys are both elite, so I would go with the two absolutely elite guys over the the three really, really good guys. Or one, the one elite guy and the two really, really good guys. So, yeah, I'll side with Ezekiel Elliott and T.Y. Hill. Yeah, because you're definitely keeping Zeke. Um, I did reach out to this person on Twitter. This is a question that somebody asked me to see if you could keep players multiple years. Obviously, that would be a huge deciding factor for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, 10-team league, five keepers. Devontae Freeman, because he hasn't been his dominant self like he was last year, might be on the fringe of those five keepers. So I think that definitely slides slides the uh, the advantage to Zeke and Hilton in this one. Man, T.Y. Hilton went off on Monday night. And I already, already had won my game, but it was, it was pretty fun to watch. Uh, so there's a few throw-in names in this one, Nick. This is a big deal here. Uh, Zach Zinner, Amari Cooper. Percy Harvin, Terrence Williams, and Kerry Hyder for Kenny Britt, AJ Green, Doriel Green, Beckham, Steve Smith, and Mike Wallace. What do you got? Well, Percy Harvin uh, came back from retirement this season and is already on injured reserve with uh, the migraine issue. So <laughs> I, I, I think he's pretty much a non-factor in this trade. So uh, I, I think it's really close, and it just depends on what on team needs. It's probably a pretty good trade for both teams, I would guess. I, I'm guessing the team that picked up Kenny Britt, A.J. Green, DGB, Steve Smith, and Mike Wallace is probably – you know, pretty weak at wide receivers. So he all of a sudden turned a, a weakness into a strength. And really all, all you gave up with, oh, you gave up Amari Cooper, who is probably, I, I would rather have Cooper than any of those guys you picked up. But the, the rest of the guys you gave up are guys that might have been on the waiver uh, waiver list coming the off season anyway. Uh, Zach Denner, we don't know what his future is going to be. Uh, Terrence Williams hasn't done a whole lot this year. So, yeah, I, I I like this team for both. Or I like this trade for both teams, but uh, the team that solidified their wide receiver depth with, with all of those wide outs, I think I got to side with them. Yeah, I think this trade really boils down to Amari versus AJ Green, and obviously you're getting a couple other pieces. You know, if I'm weak at wide receiver, I mean, I get the fact that you're willing to sacrifice Amari Cooper to get a bunch back, but I don't think that's enough back. I mean, Steve Smith's going to retire. Mike Wallace is old. I mean, so so is Kenny Britt. He's going to be looking for a new team this offseason. You know, if you traded for him, pray to God he signs this New England or somebody like that or New Orleans. Not that there's a spot for him in New Orleans, but or maybe he goes to Arizona. But, uh, you know, he's 28. He's, he's, he's winding down, too. A.J., you know, we saw when he got hurt last time around, it took him a while to bounce back. So, I I I, underst- I understand the trade, but I think I think I would still just prefer who I think is the best player in this deal, Amari Cooper. So I, I would I would pick that side, even though he's got a bunch of garbage. Kerry Hyer playing out of his mind right now for the Colts. Uh, maybe he's not as strong next year, but if if I'm making a stretch run, I think it's a pr- pretty good person to grab. Uh, Russell Wilson in the mid to late second for Carson Wentz in the mid to late first. What do you think? 
I, I, I like Carson Wentz. I've, I've been high on him since before the draft. But uh, for me to, to to trade Russell Wilson, it would have to be for Carson Wentz and at least a top five pick in the first round. So the fact that it's a mid to late first round pick, I definitely have to side with the, the team that picked up Russell Wilson. Yeah, I agree too. And, you know, for all the people that have doubted Wilson, he does have a Super Bowl ring and people still think he's not going to have this long career, but he's repeatedly a top, a top five fantasy quarterback. Uh, you know, maybe despite his rookie year, he's been, he's been just, just a, a nice weapon. You know, this year in startups, he was, it was Cam, it was Luck, it was Wilson. He was just right there. So, yeah, I definitely definitely got to go with that side. I think Wentz is going to develop into a very special player. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're not. Uh, I don't. I don't want to give up Wentz and a first either. So I, I don't know. I would definitely go with the Wilson side. But I, I, I think I do probably understand it. You know, maybe a, a more of a rebuilding move if you can get Wentz in a first, even though it's the mid to late. You know, I think it's. I think it's an okay trade, but I would definitely go with the Wilson side. Uh, 2017 mid-second and Greg Olson for Randall Cobb. What do you think? I would definitely side with the team that picked up Greg Olson. I think I would would trade uh, Randall Cobb for Greg Olson straight up, so picking up a second-round pick in addition to that, I love it. Randall Cobb, he's a good player, but he proved last season that if he doesn't have another good player at at, uh, wide receiver, then he's going to struggle. So, you know, Greg Olson is going to produce no matter who's on the field around him, so I just feel like he's a much safer safer play. So being able to pick up him and a second-round pick, I, I got to side with that, that team. Yeah, and, and again, I, I agree with this trade. I mean, I, I see both sides. Olson is over the 30 hump. I'm pretty sure he's 30, at least 30. Uh, but uh, I think that's a pretty darn good for him. Pretty good return, excuse me, for Randall Cobb. Like I said, I, I I understand it, but I think I would definitely go with the Greg Olson in the second round pick side because potentially you could get another, excuse me, another pick with that. Another, excuse me, a, a decent wide receiver with that second round pick. Um, and I, I must have had a different version of these notes, but I did want to talk about that just a second here before I bring Chuck on. Great, uh, you know if you're if you're needing a first round, if you have multiple first round picks, or if you have a mid first round pick, why not sacrifice it just a little bit to uh, to bounce back? I, sorry, I was looking for my note on this. Oh, I'll talk about that next week. I have a good I have a good point, but we'll talk about it next week. We're running long, so we'll bring Chuck on. Sorry about that. Chuck, are you there? I am here. How's it going, guys? Oh, sorry to, good. Sorry to keep you there. Uh we're yeah, five minutes. Trying to I hit just, home uh, for the that, fantasy. That's unacceptable. Five minutes, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, uh, wanted to remind, I wanted to talk about one thing right at the top before we get to our to our other stuff, and that is, uh, I, I think, and we talked about this uh, earlier in the season, but I was listening to a uh, radio show, a local radio show this morning. Jimmy Vaccaro was on. He's the uh, 
He's the odds maker at the South Point uh, Sportsbook here in Las Vegas. Um, and he was talking about, uh, it was about college football, but it's a good lesson for everybody. And it's straight from the, from the odds maker's mouth. They were talking about Alabama, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, somebody asked him what the point spread was going to be in the uh, in the opening weekend of the playoffs, and he said, "Well, he says uh, you know twelve or twelve and a half." He said, "But you got to wait, you know, uh, until about a week before or a couple days before to make the final, you know, get that final line in there." And then he added, "And you know, then when they embarrass Florida in the uh, in the championship game, he says, well, then you got to add one or two points because the public sees how good they look in that game and." <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, just a second. Um, so you know the the lesson is that if somebody, if a team looks really good, and you know we can look at that Monday night game when the Colts look like world beaters and the Jets <laughs> look like a triple A AAA team, um, that you know the point spread is going to be adjusted for what a national audience saw the week before. So you know just uh, just always remember that when something looks too good, think about how that team looked last week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I we've we've talked about that kind of thing a few times. Yeah. I definitely hear what you're saying there. How did how did we do last week? Okay. Um, well, let's see. Uh, the good news is our sweeps were three and one, one three and lost one. The only the only one nice. we didn't win is we all we all had the Giants against Pittsburgh plus six and the and the uh, the Steelers. What they end up winning that by more than six, right? Uh, yeah, 24, 24, 14, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, we won on the, uh, on the Lions. That one, uh, that one looked too good against New Orleans, but we still went with it and it won. We won on Tampa Bay against, uh, against San Diego and we won, uh, well, we all had the wisdom to pick the Colts on Monday night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, you never know. I mean, we could have looked like fools there. You know, I, I, you know, as far as I could tell, I can't. As a matter of fact, I had a teaser on the Jets, and I had them plus eight. So, uh, needless to say, <laughs> I lost my teaser that night. But Indianapolis kind of took care of them. So, uh, overall in the week, I was ten and five. Josh, you were six and nine, and Nick, you were the opposite, nine and six. All right. Yeah, I was going to say to you about that Monday night game. I. I picked the Colts, but I I wasn't like that's a for sure thing, you know. That's not that's that's what's going to happen. I was I was I was wasn't that only one point? I was kind of on the fence about that one. So um, that was anyway. uh, yeah. Indianapolis was favored by one and a well, the the final line ended up at two, but the one we had was one and a half. But uh, wow, um, you know, I, you, you kind of hate to see a team go out there, especially when you're uh, when you're rooting for them and and they don't even put it forward in effort you know it it uh it was really really i i i i just changed the channel and watched something else because i didn't see i didn't see any life in the jets at all um maybe we'll see it this week oh we'll get to that game <laughs> yeah, I can see uh, I can see the label you have on that one already, Josh. Um, all right, let's start with Thursday and a really really good game on Thursday. The Oakland Raiders are on the road against Kansas City, and Josh, your Raiders are underdogs uh, by three and a half points tomorrow uh, Thursday night. Wow, I was going to make you guys go first, but okay, um, three and a half. That that is. 
the ultimate, that, especially that half point. That That is just enough disrespect to really piss those Raiders off. I know they came into Kent, or came into Oakland earlier this year and beat us on a on a crappy rainy day, and it's going to be cold as sin there in Kansas City tomorrow night. But that's that's too many points. I'll, hey I'll Josh, I, I, Josh, yeah, I have to stop you right there. I just looked up the line and it's down to three points. So uh, Oakland or oh. Kansas City by three. I don't know if that's going to change your pick at all, but uh, well, it's three points. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> thanks for stealing my thunder. But anyway, um. No, I'll still take the Raiders. I still, I still think that's that's just too typical, and that's this this game means a lot more than that. So I think I think they handle business in this one. So I'll take the Raiders. Nick, what do you think? I'm gonna go through your Raiders as well. I would like it a lot more at three and a half points than three points, but I still feel like this is a three, uh, field goal game either way. So I, I think. I think the Raiders win in a really close one, and I mean they are still playing for home field advantage. Both them and New England are ten and two, so both teams do have a lot to play for. You know, even with the the division, the division matchup. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders. Okay, guys, here's something interesting. David Carr is one and four against the Chiefs in his career, uh, and if Kansas City wins this, they would have the tiebreaker if they if they tied for the division lead at the end of the season because KC would have been would be two and zero against him. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that gives Oakland a little more incentive. Uh, this year, Oakland, the Raiders are seven and one straight up and eight and zero against the spread on the road. Uh, that's the determining factor, along with a little bit of a wrench, along with uh, the fact that uh, I think the last time they played, the, the Raiders were still kind of unsure of themselves. I think they're they're pretty sure of themselves right now. I like I like the way they look, although Arrowhead Stadium sometimes brings teams to their knees who are on a roll. But I'm still going to go with the Raiders plus the points on Thursday night. So that's a clean sweep. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> they came through for us last week in the in comeback fashion. All right, let's start mm-hmm. the early morning Sunday games, or uh, for you guys, the early afternoon games. Uh, the first one, the Denver Broncos. Jeez, this is their second straight road game against a uh, AFC South uh, contender. Uh, contender, a- AFC South team. Uh, the Broncos on the road at Tennessee, and let me check the spread. There's not a whole lot of spreads on this one, and I think that's probably because a lot of people don't know if uh, if uh, Simeon, Simeon is going to play. Yeah, but I, from what I've heard, he's going to play. He's going to be there, and I expect him to be there. Uh, Titans are favored by one. Wow. That's crazy. I got to believe if if tennis if Simeon is a for sure thing that that spread moves a little bit, even shifts to one for Denver. That's just crazy to think at this point in the season that Tennessee would be favored over Denver. Um, I think I'll I think I want Tennessee so much to win this game, but I I think if I'm betting if I'm a betting man and I am, I will definitely put my money on Denver just because they're they're underdogs in a game where I don't think they should be underdogs. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also going to go with Denver, mostly because they're a more veteran team. You know, the unit as a whole played in the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl last year, whereas Tennessee is still a pretty young team trying to figure out their, uh, uh, you know, the, 
they they've played well this year, tied for first in the division at six and six, but they're they're still young as a whole and trying to figure things out. So yeah, I just got to go with the more veteran team in the Broncos. Yeah, I fully expect Denver to win this. Um, where is it? Tennessee is good against running backs, but they haven't been good lately. If you uh, know what I'm talking about, they've been giving up a lot of points the last three games to uh, the teams that uh, you know don't even have running games: Green Bay, Indianapolis, and Chicago. Um, I. Ugh. You know, I, I picked Denver, and so I'm going to stick with them. Uh, but this is one that kind of scares me. Just like Jacksonville scored, scared me last week, and I should have learned my lesson. So, And I did learn my lesson. I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos here. They, uh, they, they've they got to keep winning to stay in that race in the AFC West. So uh, I'll take the Broncos, and I'll make it a clean sweep. Next game on the list, the San Diego Chargers at Carolina against the Panthers. I'm assuming that uh, Cam's going to wear a tie this week and not have to sit out the first series. Um, uh, Carolina favored by one. Let me check the line one more time because I learned my lesson on the on the Raiders game there. Hang on, uh, Carolina by one. Yeah. Uh. I think the loss last week officially eliminates, I don't know if officially, but all but ruins the Chargers' uh, playoff hopes. Uh, so, But I think that might piss them off a little bit. So I can't believe I'm picking three road teams in a row, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the Chargers, especially since that uh, the youth of the Carolina secondary versus Phillip Rivers could be a, a good matchup there for San Diego. And, I thought that was kind of a lame punishment. If you really want to punish a player, don't punish him one series. I mean, come on, punish him, a, punish him a whole game or something. Prove, prove yeah, it turned out. It, turn, anyway. it, it turned out just to be one play too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I, I also have to go with San Diego. I, I just have no faith in Carolina right now. They're, they're that team is completely lost after losing the Super Bowl and. Yeah, they, they, San Diego at least plays every week like they have something to play for, even if they really don't because the division is so good. But i, I got to go with the Chargers. Yeah, don't you love uh, going with the Chargers? They, Like you said, Nick, I, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. They always seem to care. And in Carolina, you know, who wants to put their money on a team that, that doesn't seem – to, to have any interest in the season anymore. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a great game between Carolina and the Jets right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take San Diego, and this is, this is really weird because we start off with three sweeps, and they're all, they're all road teams, and they're all underdogs. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Something's making me nervous. All right. The, uh, we did it to ourselves. This is, now, this is a big game, the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans are at Indianapolis, and the Indianapolis Colts are, uh, I notice now, it's, uh, I had six and a half, it's down to six points. The Colts favored by six over the Houston Texans, and uh, this, is, this game is for the lead in the AFC South. Uh, why am I picking another road underdog? I just think it's too many points. I mean, that's, like Chuck said at the beginning of his segment, that it's, 
that's an overreaction to what Indianapolis did last week. And this is this is the vision team. These guys know each other. Saint, uh, the Colts are not going to be able to run the ball at all, and that's going to force a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I, I got to take Houston. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, especially in what uh, I would guess is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, six points is too much, especially like for all the reasons you said, division matchup. Uh, two teams are fighting both six and six. It's not like the Colts are, uh, you know, an eight and four team playing a four and eight team. They're both six and six, so a six-point spread is just too much. I'm going to go with the. Uh, I will also go with Houston. Yeah, Houston uh, gave the Packers a little better game than I thought they would, and that and that showed me something that they they are. Uh, they will play on the road. Um, Indiana, Indianapolis is going to get a little more resistance from the Houston defense than they did from the Jets defense last week. Um, Houston, of course, plays in the same division as Indianapolis, so they're used to they're used to playing on that field. It uh, it should be a bloodbath from all indications, and I think it'll be a close game, like Nick says, close, uh, yeah, probably low scoring. But whether it is or not, I'm going to look for them to, you know, have several lead changes. And, uh, of course, you know, the Indianapolis is, or Indianapolis is a little bit overrated after last week and everybody's seen them on TV. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and sweep this one also. Four in a row, four road teams, <laughs> four sweeps. Okay, let's see if we can break the jinx here. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are five-and-a-half-point favorites going into Cleveland to take on the Browns. Wow, I'd I'd love to make a case for starting this for starting the uh, Cincy team defense. It's probably an easy case to make uh, this week, uh, but uh, I don't know. That's maybe that's a little bit of an overreaction to San Diego too. They just haven't played that good this year to be favored by that many points. I don't think, even though it's Cleveland, this might be Cleveland's only chance, last chance, I should say, to win a game. And they they love beating the Bengals, so, so why not? Let's 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 give give me Cleveland in those points. Taking another underdog, but at least they're at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm gonna finally break our uh, clean sweep streak, and uh, I'm gonna go with the Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be rooting like heck for the Browns to win this game, especially if Robert Griffin is starting. You know, four years ago he was one of my favorite people in the whole entire planet, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I, I just have no faith in the Browns right now, so I, I can't I can't bet them even if it was a ten point spread. I I probably still go with Cincinnati. Nick, I've got to give you that Price is Right sounder. Bum bum ba bum. Um, <laughs> that's too bad that you broke our streak because I you know I think the uh, the Browns are going to win their first game of the season. Cleveland's got nothing to play for here. They they don't have any. They don't have any chance to win the, or to make the playoffs, and Cleveland has everything to play for. They're trying to win their first game. They've got, they've got, they have a chance to win a game because I I looked at their schedule. I don't know who exactly it, has, it is they have coming up uh, to end the season, but I think I don't think they have a chance of winning those the rest of their games. So this is, Cleveland either does it or not here, and getting five and a half points on a winner take Cleveland on the money line. Okay. And if Cleveland Steelers. wins, does that mean? Go ahead. Say, if Cleveland wins, does that mean does that mean San Fran takes their game against the Jets so they get that first round pick? 
I, you know what? I don't think Cleveland wants the first pick. There's too much pressure. Look what they've done with that first pick the last few years. <clears throat> oh lordy, they, you know, they're probably praying to win a few games and you know take that, you know, give that give that first pick pressure to San Francisco. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers are favored by two and a half over Buffalo. Let me check that spread and make sure we're still good. No, another chain. Boy, I've never seen the lines change this much. Uh, it's down to two points. Steelers favored by two at Buffalo against the Bills. Wow. Um, uh, I'm a firm believer in that Buffalo should never be a home underdog, so I, I will uh, I will take the Buffalo Bills in this one. That's, that's a little disrespect, and uh, – this, this this could potentially be a really really good game, so I think I'll go with the I think I'll go with Buffalo. Uh, just just like them at home, they're just a tough out. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think I'm gonna break what, uh, in my estimation, is probably a cardinal rule in uh, sports betting, and I'm gonna go with my sixth straight road team and take the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> as only a two point favorite. I I I just think they're better than that. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. Wow, you're messing with the trends, my friend. Hey, um, <laughs> Buffalo, I, I'm afraid of this. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Bills. Um, they they are still fighting for a playoff spot. Pittsburgh is too, but you know the Steelers. You know I know from playing Le'Veon Bell in my fantasy team that uh, on the road they're no bargain. They're they're kind of like. Uh, Kind of like New Orleans used to be, you know, not very good on the road. They laid some eggs. They uh, they uh, lost at the Eagles by 31 points. They lost at the Dolphins by 15 points. They lost at the Ravens by seven points, and uh, they only beat the Browns by 15 points. So that's laying, that's laying an egg, my friend. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take the Bills and hope Le'Veon gets 200 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> Rooting against myself isn't there. Pit, isn't Pittsburgh kind of one of those public loves them type of teams like Notre Dame and the Cowboys? Don't don't they get a lot of public love? Yeah, kind of Pittsburgh and New England. Um, who else? Seattle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seattle gets a lot of money. Um, it, it's uh, yeah, that's about it. The Cowboys, uh, the Patriots. Steelers do, yeah, Steelers in Seattle. You can pretty much count on, you know, it's like betting on Notre Dame. Uh, when you bet on Notre Dame, you know you're never going to get a fair line because so many people are betting on them. You know, if, you, if you're going to bet on these teams, bet early because, you know, the, the public money will be coming in on them. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, from the looks of it, it since it went down from two and a half to two, it looks like there's a lot of people taking Buffalo in this game. So um, we got the Bills. And, uh Nick has the Steelers. Okay, let's see if Nick can agree with us on this next one, Josh. Arizona Cardinals are in Miami to take on the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, a lot of weird games this week. The Dolphins are favored by one point over the Cardinals. Uh, I I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'll I'll take the the Dolphins in this game. This could be like in the running for who cares game of the week, too, just because it's – I could see both of these teams not making the playoffs. I know Miami was hot. That was halted last week. And maybe Arizona's going to show up finally next week and, and do something. But they haven't proved it this time, this year on the road at all or, or at home except 
for maybe one one or two games. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll take Miami in this one. Default to the home team, I guess. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going with Arizona on the road again. I I think they they showed me enough playing against the Redskins last week that they uh, they can contend with with the good teams. You know they they may not win, but it's a one point spread, so it's basically a pick 'em. So that doesn't really matter. But still, I just I don't have faith in Ryan Tannehill and company. Uh, I, I I was a believer the first couple of years, but I'm just completely off that bandwagon right now. So I have to go with uh, David Johnson is the best player on the field, so I'm going to go with his team and go with the Cardinals. Yeah, Nicky makes some good points, and this is one where I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't laugh at anybody for picking either way on this one. These two teams, it's been, they, they seem to have. Uh, uh, they seem to be mirror images as far as you know which team is going to show up each week. Arizona, man, they really, really need it. But Miami is right there at seven and five. And um, let me look at my notes here, so I maybe have some justification. I'm going to tell you who, who I'm going to pick. Oh, 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 okay. I found the the angle that I found here is that Arizona has not won an East Coast game yet this year. So I give a little edge to the uh, to the Dolphins here, and I'm going to go ahead and take Miami. Okay. All right, Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears are in Detroit, and the last I looked, Detroit was an eight-point favorite. I'll recheck that one since a lot of them seem to be changing here. And, uh, no, Detroit is still uh, eight-point favorites over the Bears. All right, All right. on this one. I'll go first with the Bears. Um, Detroit, they're kind of like the, the Cardiac Cardinals of uh, several years back. Um, Chicago defense has been playing better, holding <laughs> – it was kind of an interesting stat. Kaepernick had uh, had four yards passing and was sacked five times last week, so he had more sacks <laughs> than he had yards in passing. Uh, but that was the 49ers. Here's an interesting fact, though. Detroit has not won by more than seven points on their home field all year, and you're getting eight, so I say, and it's a division game, uh, I say that adds up to a uh, Chicago Bear point spread victory. Go Bears! Uh, yeah, I, I like that, too. I, something in the back of my head does, does make me... Th- Feel like Detroit just comes out and and knows you know knows the moment and just steamrolls the Bears, uh, but I think that's just too many points. And the great point about them not winning the game at home by more than seven, I don't think they've probably beaten anybody by more than seven. But uh, we'll see if Nick picks another road team. What do you got, Nick? <laughs> well, first I got to correct you. They actually beat uh, New Orleans last week, uh, twenty-eight to thirteen. So they have beaten a team by yeah. more than seven points. But, but that and, was on the road. All right. Yes, that that was on the road, not at home. Yeah. Uh, still, still though, I I just I probably wouldn't touch this one if I were actually betting on it. But I've got to pick Detroit just because they have so much more to play for and the, the Matt Barkley factor. I, I think if, if maybe if Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffries and everybody was playing, I think I would maybe go with Chicago. But as beat up as the Bears are, I have to go with Detroit. Boy, Nick is proving to be our uh, our voice of reason here, Josh. <laughs> going against us all these times. Okay. 
Uh, or a minute, fool screaming into the wind. Yes, that's right. But we've got that little <laughs> devil and angel on our shoulder, and Nick's being the devil, I guess, isn't he? Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota Vikings are three and a half. Check that one again real quick. I'm not trusting these lines now. Uh, Minnesota, three over Jacksonville. That one has gone down a half a point, too. Wow. I I don't like either team in this game, really. Uh, but I, I think Minnesota is the better team. Uh, you know, we like to default to the home team sometimes. I think sometimes you just have to default to the better defense, and uh, Minnesota is obviously, obviously the better defense and probably the the top option in this game for a lot of people. So I, like I said earlier, Bortles is going to probably throw more than three picks, and it's not going to be pretty. So I'll I'll take Minnesota. After Bortles throws all those picks, got to take Minnesota. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm surprised the line's down to three, honestly. I mean, Jacksonville's a two-win team this year, so I, I have to go with the Vikings all the way. Yeah, you know, the Vikings' defense is at least as good as the uh, the Broncos' defense, who they played last week. Um, I'm predicting that uh, the Vikings don't even need to score an offensive touchdown. Uh, Jacksonville <laughs> will not score against their defense. And the Minnesota defense will score two touchdowns on their own. So call it 14 to nothing. Well, 13 to nothing. Their kicker is <laughs> going to miss an extra point, which he normally does. <laughs> but uh, I'll say Minnesota wins uh, the two defensive touchdowns to nothing. So we got a sweep there. All right. I like the Vikings this week. All right. Um, now, the next game on the board is New Orleans at Tampa Bay, but that has been moved to a late game. So let's go on to the uh, the next one that's a, a 1 o'clock East Coast game, the Washington Redskins at Philadelphia. The Redskins favored by one, one and a half, let's call that. Dang it. I've had a change in every one of these games since I put these down this morning. Yeah, Washington, one and a half. So, you know, a one-point victory is not going to be enough there, Josh. All right, Nick, what do you think? Your boys. Uh, I have to go with the Skins. Uh, You know, even when they've lost, they haven't been getting dominated this year, so I think they have a lot to play for, whereas Philadelphia, pretty much the wheels have come off after their hot start. So I just think the Redskins, even even though they've lost two straight, they've been against pretty quality opponents, so I think the Redskins can bounce back this week. Yeah, I was maybe expecting a bigger line because of how badly the the Eagles played last week, or they gave up a lot of points at least. And obviously Washington losing, you can't you can't give them too much respect coming into this game. But I I think it's a pretty safe play to take Washington in this game too. I think they're they're definitely trending in the in the right direction, and the Eagles are not, especially with that uh, that bad secondary for Philadelphia. They're pretty vulnerable on the edge. So I think I think uh, Cousins should exploit that. Jordan Reed or not. Go ahead, Chuck. Okay. Look out for the spoilers this week. That's all the Eagles have to play for, and they love to spoil the seasons of other NFC East teams. Uh, I feel yeah, Philadelphia gave up 230 yards on the ground the first time they played, and they've only given up 100 yards or more twice since then. Um, 
I'm going to look forward to be a lot closer this time, and I think Philadelphia will eke out the win here. I don't know. I just have that feeling. Sorry about that, uh, that Nick. But um, I think Philadelphia is going to win, so I'm going to differ with you two guys for the first time, with both of you. I'll take Philadelphia. And I won't feel good about it. <laughs> okay, the late games on right. Sunday. Uh, the first one, the New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Saints. Wow. And I I was looking at this game long and hard earlier today, and I was just like, what happened last time these two teams played? But they haven't played each other this year. That's interesting. They play they play each other two weeks from now again. Um, Tampa Bay, sometimes you got to go with the hotter team, and Tampa Bay is the hotter team. Uh, I'm a little surprised it's not more points. So I will, I will take, excuse me, I will take uh, Tampa Bay in this game to, to cover that spread. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't really like it. I just think that Tampa Bay is the better team right now. New Orleans' defense is just completely atrocious. Uh, so yeah, it'll be a high-scoring affair. So two and a half points might not be enough, but but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. Remember last week when I said Tampa Bay was four and zero straight up and against the spread with Doug Martin in the lineup. Well, they're they're now five and zero straight up and against the spread with Martin. I, there's been some. Have you heard if he's going to play or not this week? Martin. Yeah. Uh she's I don't know, they're so beat up. That that obviously would be big. I I'm checking it right now. <laughs> well the only thing I've seen is he's questionable, but anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> perhaps a more important statistic is that uh Tampa Bay has uh has held wide receivers of their opposition to hundred and twenty yards or less in the last four games. Uh-huh. Um their defense, I mean, we talk a lot about them winning games, but their defense is, has had a lot to do with it. And uh, they, um, the, you know, Doug Martin or not, the defense has been doing the job, and they are on a roll, and there's just something going on in Tampa Bay that, uh, that I, you know, like last week, I didn't want to step in front of the Raiders, and I don't want to step in front of Tampa Bay this time. So we'll go ahead and take the Bucks over Drew Brees and the, uh, the Saints, and we swept that one. Okay. All right. Here you go, Josh. New York Giants or New York Jets are in San Francisco to take on the 49ers and I got to check this point spread to make sure uh, make sure it's right. San Francisco is now 3 3 point favorite over your New York Jets. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> should I have a, such a strong reaction to that's just too many points. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Blaine Gabbert, Bryce Petty Bull. No, I know Colin Kaepernick's starting, but uh, I don't even want to make a decision on this. Um, but the Jets played worser. I don't. I don't know <laughs> what am I supposed to say. Oh. Uh, I'll take I'll take San Francisco unless of course Cleveland wins earlier. But go ahead, Nick. <laughs> to me, this one's a complete toss-up. So if you're giving me three points, I got to go with the Jets. But really, it is the who cares game of the year. 
Well, you remember how bad the Jets looked on Monday night. They can't be that bad. Uh, San Francisco is last in the league versus running backs, so um, Bryce Petty probably won't even have to pass the ball. They can just run it all day with uh, with Matt. You know, uh, if you if you have Matt Forte on your fantasy team or Bilal Powell, uh, go ahead and put him in and feel good about it. Um, I'm guessing the Jets were embarrassed enough by Monday night that we're going to get a full effort from them in this ball game. I mean, you know, San Francisco did look bad, but it wasn't in front of uh, the whole world like the Monday night game was. Um, I'm looking for the Jets and Todd Bowles to have a little bit of pride and show up this week. Bryce Petty should have a good game, and like I said, the pressure should be off of him because they'll probably be running a lot more than uh, than they are passing. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take my Jets with confidence. Okay, here's a tough one. Seattle Seahawks are two-and-a-half-point favorite at Lambeau Field against Green Bay. Wow. They're favorite. I guess that makes sense. Um And I guess maybe that is an overreaction to them absolutely annihilating the Panthers last week, but uh, I think that was more of a indictment on the Panthers and where they're at this season. Uh, they just clearly took advantage of it. Um, I think Green Bay's the hotter team right now. They've rattled off some, pre- some pretty impressive victories against some potential playoff teams. So I'll go with Green Bay since they're a home team dog. Nick, what do you think? Uh yeah, I'm going to also go with Green Bay, and I think if, if Earl Thomas was playing, I think he is probably the best player on that Seattle defense. No disrespect to Richard Sherman, who is also uh, one of the top corners in the league by by all means, but uh, I think losing him is going to cause them – losing Thomas is going to cause the Seahawks to have to completely change what they do defensively, and so there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. So in, with that in mind, i got to go with the Packers. You guys are probably wondering how often the uh, Packers are underdogs at uh, at Lambeau Field. Green Bay has been a home team dog three times since 2013, and in those games they are 0-2 and 1. They've never uh, they've never beaten the spread as an underdog at Lambeau Field. However, the Packers here. I'm going to go against that trend, and I'm going to go with you guys. Green Bay is battling for the NFC North. Seattle has a three game lead. Uh, the last time on the road for uh, Seattle was uh, was Tampa Bay, and you know what happened there on grass, on natural turf. Supposed to be snowing in Green Bay this weekend, um, and you know it, it's tough to go against that uh, that uh, that home dog record for Green Bay. But I'm going to go against it, and I'm going to take the Packers to win the game uh, or to come in with two and a half within two and a half points. So we'll sweep that. What that surprises me, we're all taking the Packers. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another one that uh, doesn't have a lot of interest for me, but Atlanta is in Los Angeles to play the Jeff Fisher, just got a brand-new contract. <laughs> 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 and I don't know why that's funny. You know, I, it's weird. I like Jeff Fisher, you know. I watched the HBO uh, series, you know, when they did the Rams before the season. I really like the guy, so I should be happy. But it's just it's just kind of funny that he just keeps hanging in there, and I, and I, and I wish him success. Uh, Atlanta is favored by six over the Rams. 
Wow. That line makes sense, but I, I, I really have no basis. Just the fact that every now and then the Rams just win a game that you don't expect them to. But I'll, I, you're going to give me that many points for a home team dog, I'll take the Rams. I can't believe I did that, but I did. So, Nick, what do you got? I'm going to go with the Falcons just because I almost wonder if inside that locker room there with the Rams, uh, the team or out was uh, put down a little bit by the, the news of the contract extension. I, I can't help but wonder if some of the more talented players on that team would rather go in a different direction. So I'm going to have to go with the Falcons. Um, the uh, LA Rams, kind of weird i thought that la had this awesome defense but they are actually you know in fantasy they're they're 28th in the league against in giving up points to wide receivers um atlanta was embarrassed at home last week especially when they got beat on the pick two by eric berry they uh atlanta played well at oakland they played well at a lot of places and the in 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 all their road wins i think they won four or five games on the road and all of those wins they all won by at least five, or excuse me, by at least seven points. So it only stands to reason if they win this game, they're going to win it by more than six. So that's my logic. <laughs> I'm taking the Falcons. All right. You ready for uh, some football on Sunday night? The uh, Dallas Cowboys, the boys, are in New York against the Giants, and Dallas is favored by just a – a little bit more in the field goal. The Dallas Cowboys favored by three and a half over the Giants. Wow. Um, I would like to say too many points for a home team, uh, but or a divisional game. But uh, it's obviously the big factor in this is. People might think the Giants have, or excuse me, the Cowboys have this division locked up. They have one loss on the year, and guess who it was? It was against the Giants at home in their building. Uh, I think that's motivation enough for them to turn to turn things around. And I, I'll, I'll uh, not turn things around, but uh, just go out there and crush their division opponents. So I'll take the Cowboys. Feeling pretty good about it too, Nick. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I just think Dallas is in the regular season anyway. Um, they're they're on a roll. I don't think uh, it's tough to pick pick any pick anybody against the Giants right now in the regular or against the Cowboys right now in the regular season. Uh, with with how young of a team they are, I don't know how they're going to fare in the playoffs. But yeah, right now I I have got to go with the Cowboys all the way. Well. <clears throat> I'm going to go against you guys this time, but honestly, uh, it you know I, I don't feel strongly about it. And since Josh says he really likes the Cowboys, I should change. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Giants in this game, just simply because it's the NFC East. They have uh, they have close games. Wish the uh, spread was like seven or something like that, because those NFC East games are all less than seven points. I'm still going to take the Giants to somehow find a way to do it on the on Sunday night in front of the world. Um, Let's go ahead and take the Giants plus the three-and-a-half points. Uh, I keep going against Dallas, and they keep winning, so maybe they'll win, but maybe by a field goal. I'll take the Giants. Monday Night Football. This one, okay, I'm in the first round of my fantasy playoffs, and I've got to wait all the way until Monday night to watch my quarterback play, and that's just going to kill me. 
Uh, New England and Tom Brady are at home against the Baltimore Ravens, and the New England Patriots are favored by a touchdown, seven points. No hook there, Josh. Um, that seems about right. I, I, we talked earlier about how this could be a low-scoring type of game, but I also said I wouldn't be surprised if New England just steamrolls them. So I, I, I think that sevens is about uh, sevens about right. So I guess what they win twenty to twelve. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think New England wins, but I think it's more of a field goal type of game. I just think, that, you know, in such a low-scoring affair, seven points is too many, so I'm going to go with Baltimore. Well, I don't I don't fault either of you for your picks because, Josh, I felt the same way. Seven points <laughs> seems about right. I, I think I said those same words to myself as I was picking this. And it's like, well, maybe no matter who you pick, you're going to push. Anyway, you know, you're going to get push. Um, I wanted to call for a, a seven-point New England win, but uh, just because I want to root for my quarterback, I don't want to root against him. I'm going to go ahead and take New England minus a seven on there and not have real any real strong opinion, but I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take the Patriots. You want to run down the sweeps? Sure, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Oakland, we all took Oakland plus three against the uh, Chiefs. We all took Denver plus one against the Titans. We all took San Diego plus one against the Panthers. And we all took Houston plus six against Indianapolis. Down the list, we uh, all are taking the Vikings minus three on the road at Jacksonville. We're all taking Tampa Bay minus two and a half at home against New Orleans. And we're all taking Green Bay. Uh, plus the new and two and a half points against Seattle. One, two, three, six, seven. Seven sweep games this week. Yeah. Somebody can make wow. a lot of money by listening to us. <laughs> or by not listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. So next week, same t- same bat time, same bat channel. Yes, sir. I will be here. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you, Chuck. Have a good week. Good. Yeah, good luck to everybody in their fantasy playoffs starting. The, uh, uh, most of them are starting this weekend, I would imagine, right? Yep. 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 Okay. Good Should luck, you guys. Good, any... yep. Take care, Chuck. Well, Nick, that's all we really had. Any uh, any words of wisdom? Any uh, Any philosophy changes from you as you set your lineup for the playoffs? No, I mean, in the playoffs, I pretty much tend to go with the guys that got you here. Um, You know, like I said earlier, Brandon LaFell might be a guy that you would look at a little more strongly now with the A.J. Green injury. you got to factor team things that occur with other players on the team. Take that into account. But uh, for the most part, you know, your studs are your studs, and you're going to start them. I I will say, though, as far as our ATS picks, I only picked three home teams. So if you're looking to win money, you might not might not want to listen to my advice. Uh, I was going to ask you how many home teams you ended up taking. That <laughs> all right, man. We'll see. You go. If you go fourteen and two, we'll be like, all right, Nick's, Nick's the ATS guy now. I guess. <laughs> uh, sorry, Chuck. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that is all we have for you. Good luck to everybody in your fantasy playoffs. Or if you're in your toilet bowl, you know what? Just keep keep going. Keep going. We'll try to finish 
finish strong for the respect and integrity of your beak. So that's all we have for you. Uh, hope you all have a good playoffs and get that win this first week. Stay warm, Josh. I will. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with J.T. Gale, 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 Gale,